I want to talk to you this morning concerning dreams and and the, the, the moment where, where you, you feel as if you're pursuing a worthy ideal and pursuing the purposes that God has put on your heart for you to do for him. But then something happens along the way. Something happens that, that pulls you back. You think you're going forward, but it, you, after setback and setback and, 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 and things happening, you feel as if God has foreclosed on your dream. Anybody ever been there? Anybody there now? You can be honest. We're in church. We're friends. We love you. You feel as if you, you've had your dreams foreclosed, never going to happen because you find yourself digger, deeper. And then the thing is this, you celebrate a birthday like I did this last week. And you look and you're like, my goodness, my, my clock is ticking. I only have so many years left. What am I going to do? It's easy to give up. Easy to say, you know what, I, 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 this is probably never going to happen. It's easy to look at your life and say, all these things that God put in my heart, it was just pie in the sky. The title of my message this morning is, is, a, is a long title, uh, but it's very simple. When you're following Jesus in obedience, you'll get to the place in your life where you realize that going glory to glory and following God Pit happens. You can take the long version or just say pit happens. And when pit happens to you, you can either say holy or holy pit. Pit happens to you. God gives you a dream. God gives you a plan and a purpose, and you're pursuing it. But finally, you find yourself in a pit, and it's very easy for you to be in that pit and start dwelling in self-pity. In Genesis 37, as we started last week, Joseph is his father's beloved. He has a preferred position in his father's household. He is his, his father's child of his old age. And, and, and not only that, but this father trusts him because his, he's honest with his father. He brings back a true report of his, the welfare of his brothers. And his brothers hate him for his integrity. And then God gives him a dream. He gives him a dream that's bigger than himself. This dream tells him that, that he's going to be raised up and his brothers are going to bow before him. And he tells his brothers, God gave me, I have this dream. And, and they're looking at him. They're like, you're not Martin Luther King. Stop it. We're not going to bow down and, and before you. Who are you? You're the youngest. Come on now. He has another dream. And this time includes his father and mother. He says that the sun and the moon and the stars all bow down to me. And his father's like, our, your mom and your brothers and your, and your father, are we going to bow down to you? So we pick up the story in Genesis 37, verse 12, where it says this. It says, now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, here I am. Shechem is a very, very special place. It's, it's, it's a place that's filled with drama. Anybody know about drama? This place has drama. See, several chapters before this takes place, there was a man by the name of Shechem. 
And Jacob bought a plot of land in that area, and so they called it Shechem. Shechem saw one of Jacob's daughters. We hear about his brothers all the time, but he had a daughter named Dinah. And Shechem saw Dinah and and, and found her to be attractive, and he did what, unfortunately, some men do. He seized her, humiliated her, and in not so many words, he raped her. His brothers, Joseph's brothers, sought retribution. And so they, they, they conspired and they set these men up from that village of, of Shechem and had every single one of the men killed in vengeance for what was done to their sister. So here we have Jacob sending Joseph, his son, his beloved son, to an environment that's filled with murder, betrayal, rape. This is not a place where you send your beloved son. But isn't this a picture of Christ? Who the Father sends to this earth where we are enemies of his and we receive him not, but yet he still comes. Joseph is sent to this, and not only is he sent to this place that's filled with drama, he's sent to a group of people who hate him. Three times in in this chapter already we've heard that his brothers hated him, they hated him some more, and then they really, really hated him. Haterate all over it. Israel says to to Joseph, Jacob says to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? See, the thing about it is that my my dad's African, so so there's certain things that that, um, uh, people, Eastern cultures do. They they, they don't say it outright uh, when they're sharing their concern. They'll, they'll, They'll pose it in a question. Are you not your brothers in Shechem? pointing us to the concern and the, the trepidation in, in Joseph's heart, in Jacob's heart, rather. He knows that there's drama in Shechem. He's concerned for his son and the flock in Shechem because there's a, an environment that's been set up to be against him. And so he says to, to his son, come, I will send you to them. I'm concerned for them. Go down there. Now, see, the thing is this. I was on Facebook this week uh, doing some sermon uh, research. And uh, I love these vines, man. Anybody seen some vines, you know? Like short 15-second clips, you know? And, and so uh, there was this one clip that was like my childhood. <laughs> Just like my childhood. Because, I mean, I grew up in an African home. There are certain things that Africans don't put up with, you know? Oh, you try to say shut up to your mom or your dad. Shaboom! So this vine, this kid starts talking all crazy to his parents, and the next scene is, is, is a funeral, and how do I say goodbye? He's going, <laughs> I was dying. Don't look up that vine. It has some bad language. I didn't, I didn't commend it, but anyways, I don't want to receive an email from you. Pastor said to go look at, no, I didn't say that. I just said that I was doing sermon research. I read this text, and I, and, I, and I think about my life. My brothers hate me. Shechem is a bad place. There's danger in Shechem. Dad, you're sending me where? Are you kidding me? But, 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 but are you going to send me with a gun and some people to go with me? I'm, am I going to go by myself? I, don't you know, Dad, that there's trouble waiting in Shechem? My brothers can, can harm me. They hate this nice Gucci coat that I'm wearing. Joseph does not respond that way. He says, 
here I am. The very same words that Isaiah the prophet said to God when God called him. The very same words that Samuel said to God when God called him. Here I am. Here I am. Says I am available. I am willing. I am your hand. Whatever you want to do, I am willing to do it for you, Lord. What's your life like? Is your life one where God says, go here and you say, but, 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 but what happened was, Lord, uh, you don't understand. I, I don't have uh, what it takes. Uh, I'm not qualified enough. I, I, don't, I, I didn't grow up in the right neighborhood. See, see, God, look at my resources. If I only had more, then I'll give more to you, Lord. But see, right now, I'm not in the right season, Lord. You get all spiritual with it. It's not my season yet, Lord. I'm just going to wait on this. God gives you clear instructions, and you want to fast and pray. He said, go. Joseph says, here I am. Here I am. So he said to him in verse 14, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock. Bring me word. So he sent him to the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Verse 15, and a man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked him, what are you seeking? See, I used to read this story, and it's one of my favorite stories, really, in the Bible of Joseph, and it's amazing. But I used to read this and just kind of skip past verse 15. Joseph's wandering in Shechem, looking for his brothers, just kind of lost, just wandering about. Where are my brothers? I see their tracks here. Okay, that looks like Reuben's Bigfoot. Yep, mm-hmm. He was here, definitely was here, um, uh, but they're, they're nowhere. And the text says that a man found him. A man found him and asked him, what are you seeking? You're looking for something. If this man had never shown up, we would not have the pit. We would not have Potiphar's prison. We would not have the prison in which Joseph was sent after some false report about him. We would not have the story. All we would have is Joseph went to Shechem, didn't find his brothers, went back to his father's preferred place and enjoyed life happily ever after. Instead, we find this man, Jewish tradition has it this way. Jewish tradition says that this man was an angel. We don't have scriptural support for that. That's just traditional teaching in Jewish circles. Because they say that the same man that Jacob, his father, Joseph's father, wrestled with, might have been this man, an angel of the Lord, God's unseen hand directing his path. I, 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 God's ways aren't my ways. See, see, if, if, I was, if I was Joseph and I, I was given this dream, I'd hire a publicist immediately. If I was David, remember David, David gets anointed king, right, as a young boy. And, and, and David is anointed king and, and then he goes back tending sheep. Oh, no, you anoint me king, it's over. Oh, my guys, I've been anointed. Did you not hear the news? Would you like to be a subject? I will knight you. Which castle would you like? I'm, I'm making plans. I'd hire a publicist, man. Hear ye, hear ye. John Belima, new king. Goes back tending sheep. God's way of seeing a dream to fulfillment never works out the way that we want it. This man finds Joseph and leads him to go to Dothan, 15 miles further than Shechem. I'll pause right there. See, the thing is this, is that sometimes we live instruction-based. 
We follow instructions. We'll follow the letter of the law. And following instructions does not equal full obedience. Instructions would have said, Joseph, the father sent me to go to check on my brothers in Shechem. I came to Shechem. They weren't there. I turned around, went back home, and gave a report because I followed instructions. Full obedience says, I came to Shechem, but the father's heart was not Shechem. The father's heart was the welfare of the brothers. In full obedience, if you and I would get out of living instruction-based and vision-inspired, heart-inspired, we would be living in full obedience to what God desires, and we would see a revolution take place in our city. The man says, what are you seeking? I'm looking for my brothers. Tell me, please, verse 16, where they are pasturing the flock. The man says, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Joseph did not go the extra mile to obey his father. He went an extra 15 miles to find his brothers. Verse 18, they saw him from afar before he came near to them, and they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Here comes the Lord of the dreams. Here comes this master dreamer. Let's see what will happen to his dream. And I'm sure, well, see, what happens is, this, is there's a momentum that takes place of evil. Momentum goes both ways. Momentum is neutral, okay? But the thing is this, have you ever been in a situation where, where somebody starts saying something negative, right? Yeah, you know, I kind of I don't, his breath smells bad. Yeah, his breath does smell bad. But he's got this dream. You know what? He gets on my nerves. He really gets on my nerves too, you know. I think, I think we should just punch him in the eye, you know. Like, you know, say, boom, how about your dream now? What do you see, boy? I say, I say, we, should, I say we, should, we should, like, open up his eyelids and take some sulfur, pour it in his eyes. And they'll see where his vision goes there. I say we should cut him. Just stab him a little bit. And then the momentum, the mob mentality gets to the place where they're now conspiring to murder their own flesh and blood. They saw him from afar. And as he's coming closer, he's probably thinking to himself, man, I just, I just want to give them some good news. Mama gave me some food to give them. The, Reuben's favorite. I've, I've got Judah's favorite uh, candies. And, I mean, I've got all these things. They're going to love this. Oh, my gosh. I've got good news to tell them. The father is concerned about them. Yes, they think that I'm, I'm their father's favorite. But, but here they're going to hear that the father loves them just as much, too. But far off, they're looking at him. They're like, huh. Here comes that dreamer. I have a dream. Yeah. Let's see what happens to that dream today. They're conspiring against him. The text says, I want you to pay attention here. Verse 20, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams some people don't even mind you. They just hate the fact that your dream is bigger than theirs. Some people, you're okay. But the thing is that you threaten them with whatever anointing, whatever favor God has put in your life is a detriment to them so they perceive. They're not saying, we're just going to kill him and get rid of him. They're like, let's get rid of the dream. Let's kill the dream. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him 
out of their hands. Is rescued past tense, present tense, or future tense? Past tense, right? We are voting over here. All right. Uh, <laughs> they need an English tutor <laughs> in this section. <laughs> he rescued him out of their hands. They see him from afar. They plot to kill him from afar. And then the text says that Reuben said to them, uh, Reuben heard it. He rescued him out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here, into the wild, in, in the wilderness. But do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to the father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, now we see the story progressing further, right? From afar off, they've conspired to kill him. But also from afar off, God has sent a Reuben. Oh, you didn't catch that. When you're going into that uh, boardroom and everyone in that office is against you, everyone is conspiring to get you fired, God has already sent a Reuben, has already sent a rescue to take care of you. Yes, you might be going into a hostile environment, but God has already protected you and provided for you. You can walk in there and say, no, weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Fred Hammond. Amen. Before he even stepped foot close to his brothers, God had already provided and protected and preserved his life. The plan was to kill him, then throw him in the pit. But somewhere along the way, God says, mm -mm, we're not killing him. This dream is not dying. God will send a Reuben. Somebody, somebody in here just needed to hear that. There's a Reuben in your life and you don't even know it. He looks like the enemy. He looks like he's seizing you just like the rest of them are seizing you. But he's being used. He's the hand of God seizing you and protecting you from the bad that's been planned against you. We don't know what Reuben's motive was. He probably was self-driven by saying, man, if I do this one good thing, maybe the father will like me now. Or We don't know what his motive was. Either way, God used the Reuben. Amen? So when Joseph, verse 23, came to his brothers... They stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. Uh, they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. They threw him in the pit. See, the thing about pit, uh, when you're following God, when you're walking in obedience, when you're following the, the, the commands of the Father, you will find yourself uh, in a place where pit will happen in your life. Uh, you're not uh, immune to pit happening in your life. Amen. Uh, Joseph had to go through a pit, but Joseph is not the only one that saw a pit. Jeremiah the prophet also was in a pit. Uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go through a pit. They said he, they threw him into a lion's den. They threw him through a fiery furnace. Pit happens to people who are obeying God and following his purposes. See, the thing is this, that we've grown up in a place where somebody gets on TV and preaches that this is my Bible, I am what it says, and tells you that if you follow God, you're going to walk in victory. Things are going to be awesome. You're going to be receiving the good things. You've gone to testimony services where they say, I started obeying God and things just became uh, easy for me. I just like was living in obedience and now I got a house, husband, and a car. And you receive all these things. But if you follow God, what you'll discover is that pit will happen to you. Pit will happen to you. Pit happens. Amen. Some of you are in pit right now. Others of you, you just got out of pit. Some of you are full of pit. Amen? <laughs> pit happens. 
the thing about the pit is that the pit is the portal to fulfilling the purpose. The pit is the portal to fulfilling the purposes of God. Amen? That's good preaching right there. My God. Thank you. The pit. Oh, man. The pit is where you'll be propelled and prepared to walk out the purposes and the plans that God has provided. Come on. Alliteration. Joseph went from his father's preferred place to the pit, to Potiphar's palace, from the palace to the prison, to Pharaoh's. Oh, come on. That that was good right there. I got my Kojic brothers right here. They know what I'm doing. That that would preach right there. We'd have offering right now. (laughs) Man, the pit is the portal. The pit is not a place for self-pity. It's a place where God is, is, is cooking it up. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever had some a nice cake, right? You ever, my, 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 my sister made this cake. It's, oh, it's my mom's recipe. What do you put in that thing? Crack. Okay, thank you. I've always wondered. Yeah. All right. She needs Jesus. We're, pray, we're praying for her. I I, uh, I don't bake ever, but I'll cook a mean steak. Just no, okay. Uh, amen. I got an amen right over there. Okay, I'll, I'll grill up it. Yeah, but baking. I, I, sometimes when you look at the ingredients, they'll say baking soda. Have you ever had baking soda by itself? So I just put a little baking soda in your just kind of gargle some baking soda. Have you ever just stuck? Four tablespoons of salt in your mouth and enjoyed it. See, the thing is this, that the bad things, the pits of your life are God throwing a little baking soda and a little salt with the sugar, with the cream and all the other stuff. Because you need some of those things in order to understand. Amen? He's cooking it up. The pit is God's oven. Amen. Oh, that could preach. They took him, verse 24, and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. See, there's so many pictures. If we had like six more weeks to just deal with chapter 37, I would be showing you different ways in which we see Christ. Number one, Christ is sent by the Father, the beloved Son of God, is sent by the Father to come and check on the welfare of his people, right? Uh... We would see that, that, that the robe that Joseph wore was actually knit of fabric that was from around the world. And that's why it gave it a multicolored uh, appearance. And, and what we would understand is that Jesus Christ also wore a, a robe. And it, was, it, it looked like a stripes on his back where he took on the iniquities and the sins of all the people of the world. And they also stripped a robe from him as well. What we would understand is that uh, Jesus, just like Joseph, was, was rejected by his brothers Betrayed. See, the thing about betrayal is that betrayal never comes from people who are far away from you. It comes from somebody who's close enough to kiss you. You see, that as Joseph is in the pit eating, it's funny because this whole story is based around food. If you really go there, I might just be hungry, but. The problem 
that is solved in this story is a problem of famine. Later on in Genesis chapter 50, we'll see that the, the, the brothers are coming to Joseph to, in order to receive sustenance and food from him. And the betrayal took place in, with them throwing him in the pit and eating before him. I would preach Psalm 23 about how he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies and show you how it ties into this right here. But I don't have time for that. So I'll just give you a commercial. Come back next year. They sat down and ate. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh. And I'll show you how when they put Jesus in the tomb, they also had spices. But I won't go there. So many pictures of Christ. Over a hundred in this story alone of how Jesus and Joseph reflect each other. Mike Wilcox can do, give you a tutorial after worship experience. Then Judah, verse 26 said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. I'll show you how just the same Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph is sold for 20 pieces. He couldn't, they couldn't afford the extra 10, but whole other story. Inflation, I don't know what it was. But his brothers who threw him in betrayed him by their own doing, are also the ones that are lifting him up. I think it's somewhere in 1 Corinthians. It says, if the rulers and the princes had known the purposes and the mystery of God, they'd have never taken the Son of God and crucified him. Those people who crucified him did not know that in throwing up, up on a cross, they were lifting up the Son of Man so that he could draw all people to him. They lifted him up out of the pit. The pit was the portal for Joseph's ascension to the position that God had given him in a dream. Amen. They took Joseph to Egypt. <laughs> that line alone right there is telling us that the pit is pregnant with the fulfillment of God's purposes. The pit is the oven. Amen. When Reuben, verse 29, returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Come on. I won't go there. And, and they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Notice how they don't necessarily lie. They just show him the robe. But do you think this is Joseph's? Papi, look, mira. Does this belong to Jose? And they let Jacob come up to his own conclusions. Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and his daughters, his sons, the very ones who knew what they had done, come and they comfort him. 
if we were to get like, you know, just bring it to 2014 at your workplace, sometimes the very people who got you fired, the ones who are like, man, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Oh, man. Oh, they, they did you dirty. If I, if, I, if I had a decision in the whole thing, I probably would have had your back. Anybody ever gone through that? It's funny how those who betray you will be the first ones to call. His father wept for him. and says, no, I shall go to Sheol to my son mourning. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. And that's when the organ begins to play. God is strategic. God is strategic. I just want to deal with envy for just a few moments. Because it was envy that brought Joseph to this place. There's all kinds of sins out there that begin in a good place, but envy is not one of them. Lust will begin with, dang, she looks good. And you can leave it right there and just appreciate God's beauty. Or you can say, dang, she looks good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then you land in lust. Gluttony starts off good in that they gave you a box of chocolate and it would have been good to have one. But two hours later, the box of chocolate has been raptured into your stomach. And you're now in gluttony. You have all kinds of sins that start off in a good place. Greed starts off good in that you want to, you have ambition to achieve, and, and, and then all of a sudden the achievement becomes your, your God. And the stuff becomes greed. Amen. Envy begins bad and ends up in death. Envy, out of this envy, these brothers committed over a whole bunch of sins. They coveted, they, they had idolatry, they lied, they committed murder, they dishonored their father. There's a whole list of things that they committed in sin, all because of envy. Do not allow envy to creep up in your heart. God has something just for you, Lorenzo. He has something just for you, Maurice. He has something just for you, Jim. The dream and the anointing that he places on someone else, you don't know how that dream and that anointing will have a residual effect in blessing you. Celebrate somebody. If God's doing it for them, it's evidence that he'll do it for you. Don't allow envy. To, see, the thing about, I'm starting a trend where pastors are honest. I started this about four years ago. Envy is always going to be something that's common to you. I am not envious of astronauts. I saw gravity. I don't want to fall. That movie was a bad dream. You ever dreamt that you were just falling? Oh, and then you wake up like, man, I had a dream I was just falling. Gravity. I'm not, I'm not envious of an MMA fighter. I don't want my ears to be all jacked up. And, nah. Oh, you won. <sighs> Praise God. But what happens in, for, for a pastor like me is that we, I'll go to a conference and, and, and you have other pastors there and they'll say, so uh, t- tell me about your, your church, pastor. And you'll say, oh man, we moved to Riverside. We didn't know a single person. We didn't know a single soul. For some reason you get an accent whenever you're, when you're you know, like, but God, praise be to God. It wasn't because of my preaching, pastor. It was, it was, it was the anointing and the favor. I, I came to Riverside, just my wife and I. 
We had $400 on a credit card. We opened up shop and God just started sending the floodgates and people began, uh, the lame began walking, the blind began to see and, and it's been about four years and, and we have over 500 people worshiping and receiving Jesus. Every week there's more and more and more and, and, and then they look at you and say, well, praise God, I just moved to Sacramento six months ago. We have 3,000 people right now. We too didn't know anybody. But God has just opened up the floodgates and we, are, we're, we're, we just cut the ribbon on our first building after six months of this church plan. And you look at them and you say, listen here, uh, praise God. I hate him. <laughs> I hope he falls. He's probably not even preaching the full counsel of the Lord. The reason why their church is growing is because he never opens his Bible. But me, I'm faithful and God blesses the faithful. You have your own story in your life. Envy is always going to hit you when something that's common to you. Don't let envy creep into your heart. Don't let it creep into your heart. (laughs) David, you guys remember the story of David, right? David is anointed king, but he has to serve and build Saul's dream first. Serve someone else's kingdom. One of the hardest things to do when you know what God's given you. But, but, but David is faithful and he serves King Saul and, and he's serving him. He goes to battle for King Saul and wins victories for King Saul. And King Saul was a mighty man in his own uh, right. And, and, and one day, David is walking in from, from defeating uh, and winning a battle. And the women of the city start dancing. The Bible says, I'm not making this up. It says that that one day, David is is walking in and the women of the city are in the streets dancing. They're like, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, tens of thousands. Saul has killed his thousands. David, tens of thousands. Saul has killed his thousands, but David, tens of thousands. You know what that does to a man? Oh, 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 so so David's better than me? I'm not making this up. And that was the moment where Saul's heart turned from looking at what God was doing in David's life as God's way of promising and fulfilling to a place where he wanted to kill God's purpose in David's life. Envy begins bad, ends in death. Do not let envy creep in. Five things about the pit that you must have and understand. I'll go through them real quick. Number one, providence leads you to the pit. Providence, God's sovereign hand is what leads you to the pit. I'm not talking about the pit that you dug for yourself when you bought that thing at Best Buy because it was on sale but you didn't have the money. I'm not talking about that pit talking about the things that you do in obedience but still you find yourself just jacked up providence it was God's hand that said go to Dothan this chapter is not a whoops said the Lord chapter this is God saying in order for me to fulfill the purposes I must lead you to Dothan where you'll endure a pit in your life 
God's hand led him there. Number two, the pit might be for your protection. No, that's not good preaching. I lost half of you. The pit is for your protection. Joseph did not know that that as he's in that pit, alive still, okay, all right, got all my limbs, no scratches, I'm in this pit, but I'm alive. He didn't know that God was protecting the promise. The pit. There's promise in the pit, number three. The pit was a place where Joseph ascended to fulfill the purposes of God. This promise in the pit. The pit is pregnant with the fulfillment of promise. Number four, the pit is not designed for self-pity. Do not find yourself in the pit asking yourself, why me? You won't like the answer. Do not find yourself in the pit and instead of praising, go to Facebook and tell everybody else that you're in a pit and life sucks and all this type of stuff. And everybody looks at you and says, they're crazy. The pit is not a place for you to wallow in self-pity. Instead of asking, why me? Turn to God and say, what's next? What now is a better question. What are you doing? What are you preparing? What are you fixing up? What is the lesson that you want me to learn in this pit? Who am I supposed to bless while I'm in this pit? What type of comfort am I going to be comforted with in this pit that I can comfort somebody else when they're in a pit and I am able to help them out? Don't say, why me? The pit isn't for self-pity. only we could get to number five and understand that the pit prepares you for praise. The pit prepares you for praise. When God gives you a dream that's bigger than yourself, he doesn't want you to take credit ever. Because if you took credit, that means he didn't do it. When you find yourself in the pit, that's the place. I mean, Joseph cannot say that I climbed my way out of this pit. I figured my way. I I studied engineering, and and I knew that if I jumped on this rock and then I grabbed onto this root, I'd get myself out. But rather, the pit is a place where you come out of it and you look back on your life and say, Thank God for allowing her to dump me because if she hadn't dumped me and I was depressed for three months, I'd have never understood that you had somebody else prepared for me. Amen. Somebody, I'm preaching to you. If they hadn't fired me at that job, I'd have never understood that I was supposed to go out and start a business on my own. If they had not rejected me at that school, I'd have never transferred over to this other state and discovered my destiny and my purpose there. God's way of ordering your steps in your life is, is, is in the manner in which when you finally reach the place where you, you're supposed to be, you can look back on your life and say, don't praise me. It wasn't me, but it was God. What the devil meant for harm, God used for pit is a place that prepares you for praise. Amen, somebody.
The pit is pregnant with the birthing of the promise fulfilled.